everyone. Welcome to episode 12 of OSTZ 504's Freelance, the Anti-Romance. Uh, remember, if you like this story, it's available on Amazon.com and at www.oszz504.tech. That's oszz504.tech. Ozzy has a whole bunch of other stuff up there as well, so check out some of the other works. And March 23rd through March 27th, pick up a free copy of Ozzy's new story, Sun on Snow, available on the website and Amazon.com. This one is another almost romance involving PTSD, Afghanistan, a mild amount of human trafficking, some girl-on-girl action. Also, Ozzy has a couple of nonfiction articles published, and it's posted those links for your perusal as well, so any of you that are into that nonsense, go for it. Ozzy will also be starting up a science and technologies blog to discuss emerging areas of interest that it's got. So this would be real, futuristic, cool stuff to talk about the f- in the field of environmental engineering, just for those who of you who are not into fiction. Now, back to the story. Section 2. What do you mean I need components for a resurrection spell? Marcus was stuffed awkwardly in the visitor's chair when she woke up. He hadn't really been sleeping, just sort of drifting, listening to the sound of machinery and hospital operations and taking a break from Erica's journals. Her life was exhausting, and trying to read in the hospital was awful. It was always too bright and too noisy. He felt her stir before he heard her. Marcus? The voice sounded like it came from someone else. It was too soft, too raspy. But he still unfolded from the chair, leaning onto his knees. Hey, welcome back. He tried to take her hand, but she moved it away, turning her head from him. You should have let me die. Well, he said, more calmly than he felt, fuck you, and stood up. Her small fingers closed on his wrist. Wait, I'm sorry, that came out wrong. She looked down at her legs. I hurt too much in some places, and not enough in others. Am I broken? You are. He adjusted her fingers so he was holding her hand. He never could tell how she felt about anything. Her emotions always seemed to get stuck in odd places and never came out of her mouth. You had an undiagnosed spinal aneurysm. It caused a seizure and destroyed the nerve endings to your legs. He said it almost gently, waiting for tears or rage or something. But nothing happened. She closed her eyes and let out a long exhale, and he waited. He seemed to notice his expression. Oh, don't worry. It usually takes me a couple days to process emotion. She glanced down at her ruined legs again. I'm surprised you're still here. God damn you, he said, losing his temper. Why wouldn't I be here? Did you think I just kept you around for your skills with the plumbing? I love you. I want to help you. It wouldn't hurt if you just accepted the fact that I'm going to be around. He tried to drop her hand, but she held on and gave him a tiny smile. Is that why you're trying to storm off? Yes, you scared me. I watched them put you back together, and then you gave me this bullshit when you're finally lucid. Why couldn't you just burst into tears and let me comfort you like a normal woman? She frowned at him. Is that what I'm supposed to do? How about you relax with the supposed tos for a while? She gestured at her legs. I'm processing. Can you be upset after I'm done? Fuck. Yes, I'm sorry. He sat down. No more sulking? No more sulking. It's good. How do you feel, he said. I mean, really, what's going on in there? I'm not sure. She closed her eyes as if taking mental inventory of some invisible asset list. I feel terrible, all fragile like someone sucked out my bones and left me toothpicks. My skin hurts like a deep sunburn. 
my head has an intense pain right behind my right eye and my vision is blurred. I can't feel anything below my hips. She opened her eyes again. I'm trying to move my toes. It's an odd feeling to not be able to communicate with your body. She looked at him. I'm okay. I can deal with this. Can you? She let her head fall to one side in her usual inquisitive manner. He wanted to touch her face. The familiarity and the normalcy of it made his heart turn inside out. I don't know, he said, reaching out to cup her jaw. It'll be different. Yes. Aren't you supposed to lie to me? Yes. Do you want me to lie to you? No. I didn't think so. Section 3. Can we switch to sci-fi? I want to play Starfinder. Dr. Shannon ignored them. She was marking something in her computer, distracted and unfocused when they came in. She blinked a little myopically when Marcus sat down heavily in the visitor's chair across the desk. Erica struggled to get her new wheelchair in position, muttering about ball bearings and poor materials. Ah, Mr. DeSantos. She paused, watching Erica fuss with the brakes for a moment. Miss Kane? Yes, said Erica impatiently. We're here. Can I go home yet? No, I'm so sorry, she replied. We'd like to schedule for a general rehab and discussion with one of our outpatient therapists today, and just keep you another night for observation. Erica groaned loudly. Dr. Shannon cleared her throat a little awkwardly. Yes, well, I'm sorry about that, but the introduction to your rehab is a little... delicate, and often patients don't want to view this in their rooms or with a therapist. She stood up. You can use my office. Dr. Perry will be in shortly. Please make yourself comfortable. She rotated the computer screen to face them and clicked play as she hurried out of the room. The video opened with grainy, terrible graphics and a color scheme that looked like it could have been from the early 80s. Welcome to your introduction to intimate relationships as a quadriplegic or paraplegic, said the narrator. Your doctor has determined that you are healthy enough for sexual activity, and since this is often a concern with new patients, we at Broad Horizons have developed this course to properly train you for the reinitiation of sexual contact. Oh, Lord, save us, said Marcus. <clears throat> Please note, your body may have changed significantly during this time of transition. You may find yourself uninterested in sex or hypersensitive. Concerns about bowel movements and muscular control may be in your mind. These are all perfectly normal reactions. You should address these concerns honestly and immediately with your partner with open communication. Marcus glanced at her. Erica was sitting with an open mouth appreciation, a delighted smile on her face. Marcus, she said, catching his gaze. This is ridiculous. It is, he agreed. Next thing you know, they'll be showing us positions. In this video, we'll show the most common and comfortable positions available to quadriplegic and paraplegic individuals, both male and female, while having sex with their partner, continued the narrator. Marcus started to laugh awkwardly, only to have Erica hush him, staring with rapt fascination at the screen. You'll note that in this demonstration, we have assumed only one non-paralyzed partner and have assumed heterosexual relations. These are only guidelines, however. You will need to adapt these techniques for your own body and sexual needs. No man should be allowed to say the word sexual while wearing a mustache like that, muttered Marcus. Shh, said Erica. In the first demonstration, an obviously paralyzed woman, who seemingly had no control from the neck down, was lying on the bed fully clothed. A man, wearing khaki pants and a tucked-in polo shirt, calmly grabbed her feet and yanked her legs towards him, placing them around his torso. Marcus winced as the woman's arms flailed helplessly against the comforter. This is position one. We will be evaluating ten different positions in this video. 
Oh, God, thought Marcus, becoming more and more uncomfortable as he saw the other positions. This is just awful. Something about the ragdoll, helpless quality of the demonstration made him feel very, very disconcerted. Erica didn't seem to mind, though. Marcus, we could do that one really easily. Or, oh, that would be good for you. Do you like it better when I'm on top? Or, wow, look at how bendy her broken legs are. That could be fun. He closed his eyes and tried to keep enthusiasm for the exercise. Erica, sweetheart, could you please just let us watch the video without commentary? I'm dying here. Why? she said, surprised. I don't know. I just feel really uncomfortable right now. Oh, she said. Maybe if I wrote it into a new romance novel, you'd feel more comfortable with the idea? He moaned and covered his eyes with his hands. Please don't write about this. Why not? Disabled people are severely underrepresented in the media, particularly women. Disability is usually equated with unattractiveness, which is a huge disservice to disabled people as well as the rest of society for not embracing diversity and creativity and the... I get it. I get it. I look forward to reading about it. Good. The patriarchal obsession with female beauty and masculine superiority, both physically and mentally, is I will literally do anything you want if you promise to stop lecturing me right now. She snapped her mouth shut. And as you can see, the female's genitals are neatly exposed here for male penetration and braced securely on the bed for maximum thrusting potential without her having to control the angle muscularly. I'm in hell, thought Marcus, as the narrator continued. Please let this be over soon. St. Telemachus, patron saint of idiots and fool's choices, please protect me from this moment so I don't die of embarrassment. Section 4. How come the paladin gets a lightsaber and not me? Can I go home yet? asked Erica impatiently as yet another nurse came to take blood and inspect her vitals. No, said the man. You have to stay for a minimum of 24 hours after your kind of surgery for observation. It's the rules. She rolled her eyes. Stop prodding me, she said, hiding her IV and scooting away from him. I'm tired of people touching me and messing with my space. No more touching. He gave a long-suffering sigh. Miss Kane, please, this is for your benefit. If you would just... Erica hissed at him, like Kitty. Did you just fucking hiss at me? said the man in disbelief. What kind of freak are you? Erica stopped. Oh, Marcus thinks it's cute when I imitate the cat to communicate my emotions. Yeah, well, I ain't Marcus. Don't you hiss at me, missy. Sorry, she said, sticking out her arm and looking down to avoid meeting the nurse's eyes. I just hate needles in hospitals. Nothing personal. Darling, nobody likes being here. Hell, I work here and I don't like being here. He deftly twisted another vial of blood from the port and tucked it into the waiting cart. There you go. You guys spend one more night here, then we can release you to go home, if the doc agrees. She groaned loudly and collapsed back on her pillows. Marcus, I want to go home. Please convince them that I'm ready, she motioned to her legs. It's not like it can get worse, right? Just let me get out of here. She lowered her voice as the nurse opened the door into the hallway. I was looking up average hospital stays and costs, and did you know that for a, pul for a pulmonary edema and spinal aneurysm, charges were in the millions, and they had to stay for 20 days or more? Get me out of here, Marcus. Ah, he said on a long exhale, flicking off his shoes and scooting her over in the hospital bed. Move over. He settled her into the crook of his arm so she could listen to his heartbeat. You're just lucky it was easy to break up, and that you don't have to do physical therapy or something. I can do physical therapy in Chicago just as well as Phoenix. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to take the train home, so you should like that. Ah, yes, because I can't fly. Perfect. 
She closed her eyes and snuggled into him. Stupid planes. Hey, some of us would prefer to be home in time for dinner instead of being trapped in a metal box for a week. Planes are full of germs and angry people and loud noises. Trains are better. If the United States would just loosen the stranglehold of big oil and big oil auto lobbying to allow for infrastructure renewal with high-speed rail travel... Please be quiet, Zosora. I don't want to hear your rant on high-speed rail again. She gave a hurt little silence. I'm right, though. He kissed her hair. You're always right, but if you just tell me, what am I supposed to do with it? Go make friends with a politician or a lawyer or something. You picked the wrong boyfriend. I did not. You are the best boyfriend. Ah. Boyfriend, my arm is falling asleep. Will you kindly move a little? Well, then my arm will fall asleep. <clears throat> he said, wiggling her torso and reaching down to shift her legs more to the side and then back disappointed. How do people act all romantic in movies and stuff? Cuddling is really uncomfortable. If you stopped wiggling, it would be less uncomfortable. I have to wiggle or else my arms get all tingly. Marcus pulled the pillows out of the way, flinging one on the nearby chair and pressing the other up against the wall behind them. There. She settled down. Marcus, he said finally, I'm bored. God save us. Did you bring anything to read? Just your journals. Elena sent a few of them overnight. Well, that's a bummer. I don't want to read my own journals. What are we supposed to do all night, then? We could just talk to each other. Ugh. You just rejected my high-speed rail rant. That's one of my good ones. How am I supposed to beat that? He chuckled. We could talk about our feelings or our future or something. I hear couples do that. Oh, God, no. Why would we want to do that? Confess undying affection to each other and expect love to heal all my wounds? Spare me. You are a remarkably practical woman, Erica. Remarkable. Some might say overly practical. Don't you always hate it in romantic movies or books where there's that scene, the inevitable one, where the hero and heroine mushily talk about how he, she, it is the only one for them and from the first moment, blah, blah, blah. I always skip through that section. Most people watch the movie just for that exact section. Terrible taste in entertainment, then. You write romances. Aren't you required to put a scene like that in your books? Most of my characters just have sex and then get married at the end, since evidently that's a thing you have to do. Tina always adds it in if I don't, and some token declarations of love, I guess. I don't really understand why that's such a big deal. Don't you, he said. I want to know that you love me. Yeah, well, what is love, really? I know you love me because you're here. You bring me food, you take care of me, you read my books. You just spouting off that you love me doesn't mean much, and honestly, most of the male characters in romance books are awful. Rapey and stalkery and super controlling, and everyone just assumes that the girl wants to have this aggressive dude force her into having sex or doing things she doesn't want to or whatever. But isn't it a little romantic to think there's one person out there that you're suited for, that you've met the one, and that maybe he or she can do some things to you because they're special? You're a sap, she said dismissively. I just took over your whole life. Are you telling me you let me do that because you'd fallen helplessly in love with me at first sight? Well, yeah, he said, surprising himself. I guess I did. She braced herself up on his chest to look him in the face, wincing just a bit as she caught herself wrong. No way. Yeah, I think I did. You were just such a mess. And you didn't care what I thought or what anyone thought. You just did what you wanted. I liked that immediately. But that's not love, isn't it? She sighed. I have no idea. 
Men are confusing. You're supposed to fall in love with me because I'm beautiful and represent a high likelihood of reproductive success and have an immune system that's very different from yours. Well, you were living in a giant petri dish, so I'm sure the second part of that is absolutely correct. She hit him lightly in the shoulder. It was not that bad. Erica, it was an episode of Hoarders in there. She frowned at him. You have got to stop with this reality TV binge you've been on lately. Oh, he said excited. That reminds me. Terrace House. New episodes on Netflix today. We should watch. He dug out his computer as Erica made gagging noises. Oh, relax. What else are we going to do all night? They're going to try and kick you out of the hospital. He shrugged. I'll hide in the bathroom when they show up. You're totally going to get caught. It can't be comfortable sleeping in that chair. Which is why you're going to scoot over so I can sleep with you. That's love, isn't it? Yes, Dozora, it is. Now pay attention. There's a panel watching the contestants in their own room making commentary as we are watching. It's great. Erica groaned, but laid her head back down, suddenly out of energy in a way that would have frightened him if the nurse hadn't warned him that it was common. Don't leave, okay? She whispered, eyes heavy, hand pillowed on his heart. Okay, he said, picking it up and pressing her fingertips against his lips. Go to sleep. I'll be here. Section 5. So many new spell slots with the level up. It's like Christmas. What is this? Erica asked askance as they wheeled in her new chair. It's your wheelchair, obviously, said the nurse. Now if you'll just let us... Oh no, I'll do it myself, thank you, said Erica, hooking her fingers around the chair, stabilizing herself and easing into it. She tested the brakes and the movement of wheels and scowled at the nurse. How much was this? I'm not really sure, ma'am. You'd have to ask the bursar. Terrible, she said almost to herself. The bearings of the hubs aren't sealed. They use a cheap, heavy alloy for the rims, and this damn rubber coating is going to be terrible for my hands. And all this extra plastic material. Ugh. She looked at Marcus. I'm going to build a new one. You and Elena might have to help me until I figure out how to fix up the apartment. She stopped. I'm still allowed to live with you, right? Yes, he rolled his eyes. I just meant that I might have more trouble dealing with this than you, not that I wanted you out of my life. Jesus, woman, can you learn to have some gray in your emotionally black and white world? No, he said deadpan. You do enough gray for both of us. All you do is boss and worry. If both of us were like that, we'd murder each other. Fair enough, he said. Yes, we'll help. Good, good, she said, testing the turning radius and the leverage against the wheels. Oh, Marcus, it's too big for me. I can't get enough angle with my wrist for maximum thrust. That's what she said, he murmured. The nurse glared at him. Hey, it's been a rough week. If she's in a good mood, maybe I can make jokes? Of course you can make jokes, Marcus. What good would being all teary and sensitive be? I'm going to order a laundry list of materials when we get home. Good, he nodded. So I may not have a job when we do. What? He stopped, shocked. They'd fire you for taking care of me? Yep, I didn't tell anyone where I was or anything for the past week. Week? There was a long silence. The nurse left quietly. It seems like something this major should take longer, doesn't it? Like the season should change or there should be an earthquake or something. Not just this quiet slip into disability. She looked down at her legs. You're going to have to be on top for a while. Tears had been starting to form in the corners of his eyes. He hiccuped a little with surprised laughter and rested his head in relief on her hair, hiding a couple droplets in the thick braid. He inhaled deeply, smelling her clean, cold mist. Gratefully. Okay, we'll manage, I swear. I'll read up on new positions to keep you entertained. That's good. 
She spun the chair around and took a quick glance at the room. Can we go home now? Yes, thank God. And thank goodness Elena went home early. She said she started moving things around to make it easier for you around the apartment. He grabbed the bag of stuff they'd collected over the past week and dropped it in Erica's lap, starting to push her out the door. Hey, I can push myself. He ignored her. Sweetheart, just let me do this for today. I know you can do it. I just want to feel like I'm helping, and this is the only thing I can think of. She craned her neck to look at him backwards and upside down. Do you need to feel useful? Yes. You wouldn't believe how boring and awful it is waiting for someone to get better. It sucked. He smiled down at her. And now you're okay. I just want to participate in your story for a little bit. Is that okay? She said, yes, but I want to do things myself. I can't learn how to live if I don't get to live. You see what I'm saying? Understood. I promise to make you suffer as often as possible. He wheeled her down to the lobby where Dr. Shannon was leaning on the counter, sociably chatting with the nurse on duty. Seeing Erica, the nurse found a stack of paperwork to drop on top of the bag in her lap. Discharge form, she said. I'm so sorry. Erica sighed, dropping the bag and starting to scribble on the clipboard. I shouldn't get charged for this wheelchair, she muttered, finding the incidental charges page. $880 for this piece of crap? Marcus, can you just carry me to the car? I could get something better off Amazon for half the price. No, Dozora, I can't just carry you everywhere until we get back to Chicago. We need a chair. She shook her head, miserable. What a waste. Miss Kane, I have sent over your records to your primary care physician in Chicago, who I highly recommend. It's covered by your insurance, as well as a rehabilitation center that we've worked with in the past. They're very good. You should expect two to three times a week attendance for the first six months or so, depending on your level of recovery. Erica made blah-blah pantomime motions with her mouth. Marcus nudged her. Stop that. Oh, and Mr. DeSantos, continued Dr. Shannon, your daughter was really interested in Erica's procedures and physical therapy. I went ahead and gave her a copy of the therapist's instructions and a copy of the procedures we did. She seems to have a genuine interest in medicine. If she'd like, I have a colleague over at Northwestern Medical School who could arrange for a little volunteer work and internship over the winter break. Hmm, he said, a little surprised. She asked you for that? Medicine? I thought she was into engineering. Well, they're not all that different, said Dr. Shannon. I could see why she'd like both. Anyway, here's my card. If you want to follow up about Erica's care or the internship, let me know. I'm right here, you know, said Erica crossly. I can hear you. My legs don't work, but my ears are just fine. Dr. Shannon smiled. Of course, Miss Kane. If you have any additional questions or concerns or need help with your records transfer to your local doctor, please let me know. Mr. DeSantos, it was a pleasure. Erica glared at him as he wheeled her out towards the parking lot and their lift. Why is it that every time we go out in public, people immediately assume that I'm an adult-pated idiot and you are my handler? Everyone talks to you, and everyone pats me on the head and tells me to be a good girl. It was bad enough when I was just short and blonde. Short, blonde, and disabled is a bunch of bullshit. This is tremendously insulting. Marcus patted her on the head. There, there. It's because you use words like adult-pated in sentences. Be a good girl now and fill out those big, complicated forms. Erica narrowed her eyes at him. I will come for you one day, and you'll never see it coming. Oh, he said, have they invented stealth assassin wheelchairs now? I roll silent but deadly, she said melodramatically. You won't stand a chance. You should be terrified of me. He reached out and gently tapped her nose. Boop. I hate you so much right now. Section 6. Healers are always so sensitive. Just use a potion. They talk back less. 
God damn it, Erica, I said no. You can say whatever you like, I'm still doing it. You can't, you're in a wheelchair. You say that like it means something. So what? I can still go places. I want to go to the lecture with Elena, and I want to go by myself, without you hovering. You're always hovering. I need space. I'll give you space when you're recovered. I am recovered. No, you're not. The book says you need a minimum of eight weeks physical therapy before you should be doing extended trips. Marcus, she shouted in exasperation. The lecture is four fucking train stops away. An extended trip would be to California or Timbuktu or something. I'm fine. I'm healthy. I'm getting pretty good at using this thing. She rolled back, lifting the two front wheels off her new super light sport chair in the air and doing a little turn. I'm actually graceful now, which is more than I could say for my previous legs. Just relax. I'll be fine. No, he said, crossing his arms over his chest. You can't go. You just got home. You need to rest, recover. What if you get hit by a car or the train isn't handicap accessible or... Marcus, stop. You're smothering me. I have to go outside and I want to go alone. Look, I love you, but you are being way too protective here. What do you expect? He shouted back. If I had been more protective, maybe you wouldn't be in a wheelchair right now. If I had kept you from going on your trip, maybe you'd be fine. Maybe you'd be... What, Marcus? Maybe I'd be what? Normal? I've never been normal since day one. This, she gestured to herself, is literally just another experience, just another way of being. It doesn't change me at all. Or is it that you don't like people seeing you with a cripple? Shut up. You know it's not like that. Oh, do I? Whatever. Listen, I'm going to the lecture today. Elena may or may not meet me there. You are going to stay here and relax. Stop fussing. I don't want help with every little thing. You make me feel like a patient instead of your girlfriend. Look, this isn't your fault. It's no one's fault. I could have had a seizure in the middle of planting daisies. Don't do all this regret and sadness and hovering to make up for some image you had in your head of what you were supposed to do. And more importantly, get out of my way so that I can go outside. No. Marcus, it's too soon. She ran her chair into his legs. He grunted. She pushed harder. He rolled his eyes and moved out of the way. Please text me when you get there. Fine, she said and sniffed. Now, would you please open the door for me and then slam it really hard once I'm in the hall? I wish to communicate my displeasure at this entire conversation. He opened the door and held it for her. She paused in the hallway, waiting. Marcus, please slam it. You're messing up my scene here. Fine, he shouted and slammed his own door. Thank you, Marcus. See you in a couple hours. Goddamn devil woman, he shouted back. You're ruining my life. Someone had to. Section 7. A sorcerer is like a wizard, with more personality and better special effects. Ryan stared at her in fascination. He looked at the chair. He looked back at her. Marcus had warned them that she was different. He obviously hadn't understood. Does it hurt? he said. Erica shuffled her papers, setting up the screen in her notes. No. Did you feel your spine snap or something? Shut up, Ryan, said Justin, and quit staring. You're being creepy. I want to know. Erica's never been afraid of answering questions before. No, she responded. I didn't feel my spine snap or anything so excited. Exciting. I felt cold, then hot, then my skin tingled, and I saw myself falling over the bike, and then I woke up in the hospital. So why aren't you curled up in the fetal position, crying and super depressed and stuff? Is that what I'm supposed to be doing right now? That sounds miserable. She rested her chin on her hand and looked steadily back at him. What's the point of doing that? Well, there, there is no point, he said, stuttering a little. 
It's just that you can't ever walk again. That's huge. Is it? She said, sort of detached. But I do get to experience what it's like to be a machine-augmented creature. It's like being a cyborg. Yeah, Elena chimed in. We're already working on a new chair for her, and she's got plans for an exoskeleton. We just have to find the right materials. Erica smiled and nodded encouragingly. Yeah, who knew you were going to be into this biomedical stuff? You should study medicine. That way I'd have a real-life doctor to ask questions of and put crazy stories into my books with. An exoskeleton? Justin asked Marcus quietly. For real? For real. She's got ideas. Shit, he whispered. Girl's got iron in her soul, huh? The mother load. Ryan was still confused. So you really think that you're just an augmented human? Well, duh. What else would she be, said Elena. She's a human who's augmented with mechanical parts. She's just like the characters in her books now, except, you know, real. All my characters are real. Yeah, okay, but you know what I mean. Sure. You guys ready to play yet? Erica tapped a quick command into her laptop and queued up mus mood music and sound effects. But, like, how does sex work? Ryan asked through the synthesized, creepy background noise. You can still have sex, right? Erica snorted. Marcus won't touch me. Erica, private thoughts. Private, said Marcus. Well, you won't. You don't have to tell everyone that. We'll probably figure it out from whatever book she's writing now, said Justin, putting his hands behind his head and leaning back comfortably. You know she puts whatever she's doing in real life in her books. The D&D &D stuff is fucking hilarious, said Ryan. Yeah, if you're a loser nerd, said Elena. Look who's talking, mathlete. She stuck her tongue out at him. It's true, though, continued Ryan, especially in the romances. It's hilarious. I feel like I know so much more about you, Marcus. Marcus rolled his eyes. Oh, joy. So why won't you have sex with her? Asked Ryan. None of your goddamn business, said Marcus. I think it's because he feels like it's his fault for letting me go on the trip and for not making me go to the doctor even though he noticed all the symptoms of nerve damage, and I think that he's got some abandonment issues and some attachment be behaviors related to his previous experiences with Nina that make him take personal responsibility for other people because he thinks that if he does, they won't leave him and that he has to earn their love. It's probably because of his early exposure to conditional love from his mother, said Erica, idly flipping through the DM guide. Hey, does anyone care if we switch it up a little bit tonight? I've got a new copy of Starfinder, and I want to try some stuff. Wow, breathed Ryan. You really are an android, just like Data. Seven of Nine is better, said Justin. Voyager's a chick show. Worst Star Trek ever, said Ryan. Just because Captain Janeway is female does not make it a chick show, said Elena. Screw you. It's my favorite Star Trek. It's way more interesting and complicated than the Angel of Perfection Picard. God, he's so boring. Picard is the best captain, no contest, said Ryan. I actually like Captain Avery best, said Justin. Deep Space Nine doesn't count as Star Trek. I'm a sucker for perks, said Marcus. I like how ridiculous he is. It's like watching a train wreck in slow motion. Cracks me up. Do you guys want to play tonight? asked Erica plaintively. I wrote up a really good story. I even did sound effects. Yes, sorry. Magical adventure awaits. Go ahead, said Justin. You walk through a narrow opening in the rock, and before you is the void. Total blackness greets you in this cavern. In the center, traced in luminescence that slowly spools out from the empty air, a complex maze pattern emerges. The light solidifies before your eyes into translucent, ever-shifting walls of light surrounding you and filling the darkness. Dimly, you can hear strange noises coming from the light itself. It could be faint screaming or even fainter laughter. You can't tell. 
At the entrance to the maze, a shadowy figure materializes. He seems to be made of the air currents, his form changing with the light in a way that makes you faintly nauseous. So, he whispers, and you have to strain to hear the words. You've finally come, heroes of Neverwinter. The last phrase seems almost spat out mockingly. What do you do? Erica sighed contentedly and put her D&D books back on the shelves. Elena had crawled off to bed and the boys were gone. Marcus helped her clean, clean up and fold the table back into its usual configuration. I'm glad you built this, he said, admiring the clever mechanisms again that folded a full-sized table into a standalone bookshelf. Handy. Me too, she said. It was fun tonight. You did good. I like the gateway to hell thing. Thanks. He caught her knee as she was about to move away. About me not touching you, he felt the words catch in his throat. You know it's not because I feel guilty or anything, or that I don't find you attractive. You are. You don't have to lie, Marcus, she said. You have trouble looking me in the eyes. That usually means shame, guilt, or lying. Or all three. It's not any of those. Uh-huh, she said, letting her eyebrow twitch. Like I said, you don't have to lie about it. It's okay. I know what's going on. No, you don't, he said, frustrated. I read your journals, most of them anyway, in the hospital. Elena sent me some. I know. So? She asked, obviously confused. Those don't have anything to do with this. She waved to herself. Of course it does. There's some pretty intense shit in there, Erica. I don't know if you've read them lately, but there's a big knot of emotion in there that's pretty scary. You've got your own problems, and I worry that I'm just adding to them. She frowned. Well, of course you are. Trying not to generate emotions in a relationship is like trying to swim without making ripples. It's impossible. I said problems, not emotions. Same difference. I would hope not, said Heat, getting into his voice. What if we start having sex again and you think that I'm just using you, that you can't enjoy it anymore, so I'm just essentially raping you all the time? She pursed her lips. Maybe. Yeah, that could possibly happen. You're supposed to tell me not to worry about that. Am I? You should worry about that. I worry about that. I don't know how this works either, you know. And we're humans. Well, you are anyway. So there's bound to be some emotional bullshit with this that we're just not prepared for. She rolled to one of the bookcases and came back with a couple new titles. I've been reading up on this. The worst seems to happen when one person feels like they're just a caretaker, like they're only there to serve the other one. Most of these case studies are about wives of wounded soldiers who break under the strain of having to be a wife and a nurse. But you share a lot of the traits, so I wanted to read it. He took the book. So I'm an army wife? You know, that show's not bad. She made a gagging face. Your newfound obsession with reality TV may be worse than any of my problems. How can you watch that trash? Real Husbands of Masuga is better. Some of the characters are pretty good. Jimbo can be downright poignant. Anyway, it's all that I was ever it was it's all that was ever on at the hospital, he said, shrugging. Other than those damned daytime talk shows, I didn't even realize Donahue was still on. He has to be, like, 90. The Bachelor has a new season coming out. You should watch it with me. No way in hell. Snob. Goddamn right. That stuff will rot your brain. Erica. I don't... I don't know what to do. Me neither, she said. Want to go in the bedroom and fool around? See what happens? Yes, he said, laughing in spite of himself. It's been a while. Go easy on me. She carefully slid herself onto the bed and hoisted her legs up to rest on the covers. Sexy, huh? She said with just the slightest hint of embarrassment. At least I can still go to the bathroom myself. 
Relax, he said, pulling off his shirt and moving her more comfortably towards the middle. Let's just see what feeling you have left and what feels good. At least you know I won't fall asleep on top of you this time. She laughed, nervously pulling off his shirt and lifting her hips for his help in getting off her jeans. She was obviously uncomfortable and shy. She'd never been uncomfortable and shy before, and it made him just a little sad to see her vulnerable like this. It's okay, sweetheart, I promise. I'm not going to think less of you. Or pity me? Or pity you? Hell, you have all these research books. I bet you'll find a dozen positions by tomorrow that you'll want to try, and it won't be a big deal. I hope so, she breathed out on a sigh, because I really like having sex with you, and it would be a huge bummer to stop that. Huge, he agreed, solemnly gathering her up from behind so he could run his hands along the length of her body, massaging and tracing light patterns on her skin. He could feel her breathing relax and her torso arch into him as he pressed his face against the nape of her neck and worked kisses down her jawline. This is going to be just fine. Just tell me if something hurts or you don't like it anymore. He sighed, letting one hand ride on, her, on his as he explored her new body and linked fingers with the one holding her against him. Best boyfriend. Damn straight. Later, much later, he felt shaking, just the slightest tremor from her as she lay curled up with her back to him. He slid one arm under the pillow and the other around her torso to haul her in tightly to his chest and buried his face in her hair. Clean mist and flowers. She relaxed and her breathing evened. Crying in her sleep, he thought, again. He didn't know if he should be relieved or concerned. Probably both, was his last thought before drifting back to sleep. Strange to hold the rain while it cries. Section 8. You should have clasped Bard if you wanted to be charming. Veronica steepled her hands in front of her face and exhaled for what seemed like a long, long time. Marcus, heck of a thing, taking all that vacation time and disappearing off the face of the earth. She paused. He cleared his throat awkwardly. Yes, I know, it's just I couldn't focus on anything other than her for a while. She took another deep breath, letting it out slowly. So what do you want? My job, still, if that's possible. Of course it's possible, she said, making a disappointed face. You can stay an editor if you want, but is that actually what you want? He frowned at her. I don't understand. What else is there? Marcus, you've got great numbers. You put up good works, sound works. You can sell stuff. You can look people in the face, which is better than 90% of these nerds, she said, waving her hand out to the editing floor. Bunch of socially incompetent recluses more comfortable in fantasy than reality. Harper has a chief editor position open, if you would be interested. So does Impulse. But I like science fiction and fantasy. Why would I switch to a different desk? She shrugged. More money? More prestige? Power over your fellow nerds and geeks? But I don't want any of that, he said, still confused. I just like to read and make books. It's too much pressure to be in charge. What's wrong with just being an editor? Nothing, she said. I just felt it was my responsibility to let you know that it was out there. She relaxed and cracked her neck. Besides, if you went to Harper, Erica would probably switch publishing houses, which would make me sad. So great. I'm glad you don't want to do anything but read sci-fi books. May it stay that way. So I can have my job back? She threw the magazine draft at him. What kind of monster do you think I am? You never lost it. I have you on temporary FMLA. I was just trying to look out for you, you dummy. Get out of my office and back to work. Go buy Chris lunch for covering your ass. Yes, ma'am, he said humbly. Thank you. Get out. He opened the door. I'm glad Erica's okay. Her draft is late, Veronica called after him. Yes, ma'am. 
I was standing with Mikhail, reviewing our work. We had converted the original terraforming kit to support the higher methane content and the denser atmosphere, and it looked good so far. We'd be able to bring the pilot plant online shortly. I felt something, a brush against my consciousness, like someone was trying to get my attention. I looked around. My biosuit helmet obscured almost all of my peripheral vision, but there was nothing but rock and liquid methane lapping on the shore next to us. Quiet. What's wrong, Akasha? Mick had his meter out, checking the voltage lines. Our plan was to arc enough electricity into the baby greenhouse to cause a tiny explosion, making a natural gas heater, essentially that would burn indefinitely, keeping our biological strains alive until we were ready to engineer them for standalone service on the surface. I don't know. I saw the blue-purple tinges of mountains and the silvery lake next to us, but nothing interesting. A vague mumble, somewhere in the back of my skull that I couldn't make out. Great, I'm hallucinating again. Then that little crackle of feeling that told me Michael was calling. Michael wants us back. Mick glanced at me in disbelief. Tell me that he just rang us up and I've gone deaf. I shook my head. Jesus, lady, tone down the spooky shit when you're with me, please. You're creeping me out. Sorry. Again, suddenly, images of molten metal and chunks of earth crashing into our mod flooded my mind. I could see people running for the airlock as the earth heaved and bits rained down on our tiny ship. Fire. Fire was everywhere. I shivered, but followed Mick back to the dock. Michael was waiting for me. We had plans to engineer our plants to use modified Krebs 4-cycle powered by methane and generating oxygen as a waste product. The only problem was figuring out how to produce water and generating enough power to sustain the ship until we could let biology stand on its own. Phase 2, with another 50 colonists, was getting ready to launch. We had a little under a year until all kinds of civilians would show up expecting air, food, and water. We needed power. I walked into the engine room of the ship. We had initially planned to use the converted nuclear fission generator, but that had assumed we would have glaciers of frozen carbon dioxide available on a Class A planet as a cooling material for the rods and as feedstock to generate liquid water. That just wasn't going to work. We still had the reactor, but under heat, the methane would explode. We could build a geothermal heat pump and dump the excess into the mantle of the planet. Maybe. We had a drill, we had antifreeze and tungsten for the pipe system, but if it didn't work, we'd have a bunch of radioactive slag and no power source, for us or the newbies. We'd death. Michael was the mechanical engineer, this got to be his baby. I lowered myself into the lockout compartment where he was sitting, staring at a scrawl of notes. Hey, I said. Hey, he said. He didn't look up. I think we're ready to put the pilot in the ground. He handed me the drawing. We needed something hot enough to test, but that was cool or small enough to contain if it failed. Manually pulling out a fuel rod and ramming it into a hole in the ground. Real scientific. I nodded. Michael would stage the rod. I got to set up the antifreeze and punch the hole in the earth. 450 feet, give or take. I'd never been real strong on geophysics, and energy transfer was one of my weaker subjects. So, let's hope this works. Given that I did the calculations, and given me and Michael would probably both die if I messed it up, no pressure. I pulled myself up, threw the hatch, and climbed into the drill. Small, about the size of a ground transport. I set up the well, dropped the bit, and started her up. We only needed two eight-inch pipes run like horseshoes under lead, underneath a lead basket, and fortunately we had a flexible bit and router. It only took a few hours to run the pipe, complete the dig-out for the fuel rod, and pour in the antifreeze. I could feel something pulling at my attention. 
As I laid the last bit against the support, I could suddenly see through the pipeline, just like that. I stopped seeing the little scrap of land through my visor, and I was literally flying down the pipeline, tracing the scars in the earth like a little drone pilot. I could see the weaknesses in the crust, the thinness of the pipe itself, and feel the cool drops of ethylene glycol like diving into a pool. The earth pressed on my skin, compressing me smaller and smaller before shooting me back up into the fuel rod chamber. And I was back, frozen with one hand up, not breathing, looking again at the little scrap of gray rock in my visor. Jesus, what was that? Akasha, Michael's voice rang in my head through the implant. Are you ready? I'm good to pull this thing. I shook it off. Go crazy later. Focus. I need you to focus. I'm ready. Bring it. I felt a shimmer in the rock. Michael was using the exoskeleton, a giant thing built of tungsten carbide to slowly move one of the fuel rods out of the containment area. In the cold atmosphere, the heat from the rod shimmered like waves. I held my breath. If there wasn't enough ventilation, the thing would explode right there in the open. Dead, dead, dead. We're all... But nope. The robot slipped it into the heat pump as gracefully as any dancer, and I felt my heart jump just a little. Nothing. Not dead yet. I let my breath out. The meter on the basket started spitting out power readings. It was working. The thermal heat pump under the ground was dissipating the waste heat and generating useful power. I felt a smile coming on, and then I felt the ground fracture, almost bend. The rock was melting. I could feel it. Again, that odd perspective change happened in my head. I could vaguely see Michael falling, the balancing mechanisms of the suit failing as the solid ground became liquid. I could feel fires, the beginning of the explosion that was coming as the heat ignited the atmosphere, and then I was dropping deep, deep into the earth thrust down to the place where earth became fire and fire became metal and something snapped in my head, just like in the quasar. For a moment, reality fractured into indescribable patterns. Fractals of shape and color were swirling around me with each corresponding to a different chemical compound, a different pressure differential, a shape of what could be wrapped up in what was, like the essence of the universe was laid out in mathematical forms. It was almost effortless to just reach out and line up the patterns. There. As my mental figure, fingers moved the fractals into the most beautiful pattern, the shape snapped into place, and light, nothing but light, filled every speck of my being. Right before blood and agony ripped through my skull and deep fissures opened in my skin down to the bone. Whew. Marcus had to shake off the imagery of the new draft. I think she's getting more intense. Rough. Very rough. Wasn't sure that was possible. He had to blink for a moment to clear his head and notice that Chris was standing in front of him expectantly. Oh, hey, he said. Sorry, new draft. Chris gave him an odd look. You've been zoning out a lot lately. Are you sure everything's okay? Yep, couldn't be better. Uh-huh. I sent you the new manuscript copies, and Isaac wants to schedule a sales call with you. When you have time. He shot a look at the screen. So how's Erica doing? Your blog has been getting weird lately. Marcus exhaled long and resigned and folded his hands behind his head. Yeah, she's doing fine. Building exoskeletons and robotic arm assists and messing around with chair designs. You know, Erica stuff. That's great, yeah, Chris nodded. Both me and Veronica flipped out when we read your first segment. It's pretty terrifying. I think that's why Veronica was pissed, you know, that we had to find out why you disappeared like that. Marcus raised his eyebrows. 
Yeah, no, I, I get it. Erica suggested that I should write down some of my thoughts so they weren't so intense or just to think through things. I never thought anyone would actually read them. Intense, man. You know, you're actually pretty good. You ever thought of writing anything for real? God knows you've read enough books to have a good feel for it. Nah, he said, shaking his head. It's sort of liberating, I guess, or cathartic to put some of these things down on paper, but I don't think I could stand having to do it for real. Just thinking about Erica in the hospital or learning to be disabled or all that was just too much. I couldn't keep it going, much less write about anything that wasn't real, you know? Sure, sure, Chris said. No, I get it. Sometimes I write out letters or stuff I want to say to people but can't for some reason. But it doesn't mean I want to write a book. Same thing, said Marcus. It's a little weird to put all these personal experiences out on the internet, but he shrugged. I kept seeing stuff happening to me, like I wasn't really part of it. Writing it down can make it more real without being more depressing. And it's nice that people read about it. It makes you feel sort of important, as if your emotions matter and had an impact on someone else, you know? It did. Definitely did. Chris patted him on the shoulder. We're glad you're doing it. It's awesome to get to peek in on someone else's life like this. It's also fun to read your stuff and Erica's and see you becoming more and more alike. Marcus shuddered just a little. And to think, I used to be so normal. Chris threw his head back to laugh. It was all front, man. You've been a freak for forever. Erica should just read all of them in order. She'd probably get a kick out of it. You think? I kind of told her not to read it at all. Oh, definitely. Section 9. Everyone forgets the NPC names. Why even bother naming them? Oh, hey, Mom, said Marcus, cradling the phone between his ear and shoulder. How are you? He stuck his hands back into the soapy dishwater. How's Dad? Did you guys have a nice Christmas? Did we have a nice Christmas? Of course not. You don't call. You don't visit. Nothing. What kind of son are you? Ah, yes. Catholic guilt, mom guilt, and actual guilt all rolled up into one neat conversation. Sam and Nina managed to come down for a visit and mass, though, so your father and I weren't completely abandoned. Great. Did Chet come? Who's Chet? Nina's husband. Oh, Brent. No, he had to work. Uh, of course he did. What does that mean? Nothing, Mom. I'm glad they came. It's that woman, isn't it? You didn't want to become because you're ashamed because you're ashamed of that woman. I'm not ashamed of her, Mom. She has a name, you know. Of course you're ashamed. Who wouldn't be such a loud, strange, obnoxious person? Gee, Mom, tell me how you really feel, and you wonder why I don't want to call you a visit. A muffled bang sounded from the living room. Marcus craned his neck around to inspect. No smoke. Probably nothing. Erica had an accident a few weeks ago, Mom. What kind of accident? She's partially paralyzed. So now she's loud, strange, obnoxious, and crippled, which I'm sure is going to make you even more thrilled to have her in the family. Marcus. Her voice sounded shocked, hurt, almost as if she gave a damn, he thought uncharitably, immediately feeling guilty. She's doing fine now, actually. Better than me, if you want to know the truth. It was pretty scary there for a couple days. Marcus Anthony DeSantos. Uh-oh. Yes? How dare you think so little of me and your father? Why didn't you call us? Why would I call you, he asked, wiping down the counter and emptying out the trash. You hate her. I do not hate her, and we could have been there to help you. He gave a tiny, slightly cynical short laugh. Help me with what? You still call Nina my wife occasionally. 
Dad was the only one halfway okay with being around her when she wasn't hurt, much less as she is now, or when she was drifting in and out of consciousness. Please, Marcus, I wish you wouldn't exclude us from your life like this. We love you. You still call her that woman? Yes, I'm sorry. I will use her name from now on, I swear. You do have to admit that she's odd. Unusual. A little bit difficult. Yep, that's why I like her. Suddenly there was an explosion. The kitchen counter rattled from the shockwave. The light lighting fixtures shook in the ceiling, and the lights themselves flickered all in an instant. Riding on the wave in a puff of smoke with a muffled grunt, Erica was flung across Marcus's field of vision, her chair slamming into the opposite wall with a thud. Oof, she said. Jesus fucking Christ, said Marcus. Watch your language, said his mother. Ma, I have to call you back. Mark, he hung up on her. He ran into the living room. Part of Erica's desk was blackened, and a perfectly round circle was burned into the top. The robotic arm she'd been working on smoked slightly and smelled like burning chemicals. Erica! Wow, she said, rolling back to the desk. He noticed her eyebrows had been burned off, and part of her braid was still crinkly and smoking slightly. Big bada-boom, huh? What the hell was that? No idea, she said cheerfully. Shouldn't have happened. Damn right it shouldn't have happened, but it did. Didn't we agree no explosives in the house? It wasn't supposed to be explosive. Hold still, he said, grabbing a pair of scissors to cut away the burned portions of her hair and shaking his head in shocked appreciation for her new lack of eyebrows. You look like an alien with all your hair burned off. It's a miracle you have any left after shit like this. She smiled placidly back at him. He brushed her remaining curls back from her face, fingers lingering on her cheeks and jawline. Quit trying to blow up my house, you crazy woman. She looked back at him in that focused, absorbed way she had, the look that seemed to turn his nature inside out, unfold it, examine it, give it back to him, the one that made him feel like the only other human in the whole world wrapped up in her nebula gold eyes. He leaned in to kiss her and accidentally pushed the chair away, leaving him kissing air. She laughed, delighted. You look like a fish. He blushed and pulled her back, locking the brakes. Brat, you're ruining the romance. She let her head fall back with laughter. Romance? Us? You couldn't find romance in a wet paper bag with both hands and a map. Shut up, he grumbled, and pay attention. I'd like you to kiss me like you mean it, please. Chapter 8 Artificer Class is Bullshit Section 1 What role do you even make for that? Marcus stared in abject shock as Erica rolled up her storage unit's metal door. Erica, he started, and then lost any words that he was about to say. There were two storage units linked together. Shelves of toys, creations, miscellaneous equipment lined the walls from floor to ceiling, while a workbench occupied the rear, flanked by dual kits full of miscellaneous things he couldn't name. A davit crane and a winch took up a corner, and the roof had a hoist on rails that could move back and forth lengthwise along the unit, as well as a hydraulic robot arm that could extend vertically to grab items from the shelves. She slipped a remote out of the wall mount and flicked the on switch. Immediately, the storage container came to life. Lights whirred on, the arm cocked, a radio started playing somewhere. Behold, she said, the fortress of solitude. Erica, he breathed again. She showed him the remote. All of it is automated and controllable by remote, or, watch this, deep thought, please retrieve item 153 alpha 7. The robotic arm and hoist immediately snapped into action, moving along the left-hand side of the unit over to the fifth shelf unit, 
third shelf, middle section, and retrieved a snarled mass of electronics and metal that looked like some bird had gotten confused and tried to nest in a wiring harness. He smiled smugly. Voice activation. Nice, he said. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? This is amazing, I said. So this is what you do all day? She rolled into the unit. Yep. As she rolled past, shelving units automatically swung open or closed based on her motion, revealing hidden storage cubbies, a refrigeration unit, a lab bench with microscope and pipette station. It helps me write and think, and some of these are pretty useful. He gestured to one of the shelving units. That's my patent shelf. All the stuff I've actually been able to sell is over there. Jesus Christ, he whispered. There's no way you're allowed to do this at a storage facility. No, it's okay. I know the owner. He sold these two to me a few years ago. They're portable, so I can just batten down the hatches, load them on a truck, and send them to a new place. You are the most amazing human being I've ever known, he said. This is something out of a Bond movie. As he passed one of the cubicles, a desk rolled out. There were flowers. Lots of flowers. Most dried, some drying. They didn't look like herbs, though. He saw stacks of cards, observation notebooks, strange promotional material with unfamiliar acronyms. She'd obviously found what she was looking for at the back near her tool bins. Got it. Okay, we can go home now if you want. Erica, he said, rifling through all the cards and notes and frowning in confusion. These are all from that Matt guy. She peeked over. Oh yeah, he keeps sending things. This is a lot. Dozoro, why didn't you tell me he was sending you stuff weekly, I'd guess? She shrugged. I don't encourage him. He just sort of shows up, randomly. Here? He was starting to get alarmed. She nodded. Yeah, just occasionally while I'm working, he'll knock and want to sit or look or talk or something. How long has this been going on? Oh, a few months, ever since the day in the alley. I mentioned Elena's bike project in this place, and, well, he just started showing up. You shouldn't do that. You should call the police. Tell him to leave. Why? He doesn't do anything. I don't like it. You shouldn't be here all alone anyway. She scowled at him. I lock the doors when I'm here, and the whole thing has an internal ventilation system for HVAC as well as a fume hood. I'm not worried about your ventilation. I'm worried that some random dude is stalking you. He doesn't do anything. He just asks about my projects sometimes and talks about writing. She paused. It's more than you ask about, and I didn't see any harm in it. He rolled his eyes. Well, I would ask you about your projects if you told me that you were essentially a mad genius with a lair and all. How do you expect me to know these things if you don't tell me? She blinked. How can you not know that I'd have a lair? You already know I'm a mad genius. Mad geniuses need lairs. It's in the handbook. She rattled the metallic mess in her lap and the tool bag. I found my stuff. We can go if you want. Okay, are you coming ba back here to work on things tomorrow? She nodded. Yes, I just remembered I had a spare set that I could keep at the house for fixing up some automation protocols for the apartment. What do you think about voice controls for the climate control, lighting, sound, and some automatic ordering for the fridge? Sounds fancy, he said. Can we name the apartment Sarah, like in Eureka? Are you going to put in a robotic arm and rails as well in the kitchen for you to get things? Sure, if you're okay with it. You'll probably have to install it. She gave him a doubtful look. Are you sure you're up for that? Hey, he said, I'm a capable guy. I can fix things. I build stuff. She raised one eyebrow. I can. You just do it better, so I let you do all that stuff. But I took care of myself for years before you. Uh-huh. Don't worry. It'll be simple, and I'll give you good directions. It should be easy enough even for you to manage. 
I can do stuff, Erica. Uh-huh. I can. She didn't respond. He huffed. Judgy today, aren't we? Hey, I was there when you tried to install the handicap bars in the bathroom. It's a miracle you didn't take out the whole wall while you were in there pounding away. It works, doesn't it? I redid it last week. You sneaky bitch. I was genuinely proud of that project. Sorry. No, you're not. No, I'm not. Come on, let's go home. I can do the environmental controls tonight. You're going to get some weird looks with whatever that mess on your lap is. She looked down. I think it looks kind of pretty, actually, like a sculpture. But yeah, bad enough to get started at, bad enough to get stared at on the train for being in this thing, much less carrying around robot guts. Are they really robot guts? Yep. She smiled down affectionately at the mass of materials as they left the unit. This is my new friend, and I will name him Igor. Section 2. Can I just have my bag of gold now, please? Marcus wandered through the book aisles, confused, holding onto a tiny scrap of paper with several series names scrawled on it. Marcus? Yes, my heart, he replied, sensing that she wanted something from him. How can I serve you today? She handed him the piece of paper. Would you mind picking up a couple books for me from Burt's? I had a special request in for some limited edition series, and he promised he'd hold them for me, but I forgot until today. Why are you asking me? Don't you usually yell at me for trying to do things for you? Well, yes, and thank you for noticing, but you know Burt's is up the staircase, and I don't think they have an elevator. She paused to give him big eyes. Would you mind picking them up for me? Why are you asking so nicely, he asked, immediately suspicious. What's the catch? He blinked. No catch. I just really want to read them today. He sighed. Oh, you want me to go now, is that it? She nodded happily. Fine, he said, grumbling as he found his shoes and wallet. Anything from a limited edition series, huh? Yep. Thank you, Marcus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He couldn't find them anywhere. This place was 45 minutes away from the house, in a shady neighborhood, up two flights of stairs. How she ever found the store in the first place was a mystery. How she and Bert managed to strike up a friendship was also a mystery. He stopped one of the salespeople, showing them the scrap of paper. He stopped one of the salespeople, showing them the scrap of paper. The girl shook her head. I've never heard of those, she said. One second, let me get the boss. He scanned the shelves, grabbing a couple titles, even a couple manga he hadn't read since he was a kid, but they were happy, nostalgic memories. I need to renew my subscription to Shonen Jump, he thought, breathing in the scent of the comics and flipping through the pages contentedly. We're all still 12-year-old kids, just hoping that friendship really is magic. Elena might like this one. I'd forgotten about it. He put a couple more titles into his basket. Sir? The salesgirl peeked her head around the corner of the shelves. Hi. Yes, Bert says he has two of them behind the counter, and the other two are over in the yaoi section. The what? Yaoi. This way, I'll show you. He followed her over to a curtained-off section of the store, and he started to get a bad feeling in his stomach. Nothing good lies behind a curtained section in a store, he thought. Here you go, she said, motioning him over to the stand. When he saw the covers, he drew in a deep breath and let it out in a long, long sigh. The girl gave him a knowing look. They're for my girlfriend, he said. Of course. Is there anything else I can help you with? No, but they really are for my girlfriend. She just can't walk, which is why she couldn't come pick them up herself. The girl raised her eyebrows. Of course. I'll be out front when you're ready to check out. Thanks, he muttered. She's real, you know, he called after her. No response. 
Erica wanted a whole series. Dozens of boy love novels and manga went into his basket. He even had to get another basket. Walking back into the alcove, he saw the sales girl whisper to her co-worker and point in his direction. He pretended not to see anything. Finally, loot collected, he presented two baskets worth of manga to the girl at the counter. As she rang up each individual volume, the covers seemed to get more and more explicit. So, she said casually, did you find everything you were looking for? Yes, thank you. He cleared his throat, dying a little inside. These are for a friend. She didn't say anything. A girl. My friend is a girl. Uh-huh. She's my girlfriend. Okay. She's real. She just can't walk, which is why she didn't come pick them up herself. Okay. Did you want a cover for these? Dear God, yes, he said. I'm a grown man, you know. I can read whatever I like. It shouldn't matter that these are boy love novels. It's the 21st century, after all, and I'm a grown adult. Of course, sir. Thank you. Please come again. He snatched the bag and practically ran out of the store. He texted her almost immediately. Why didn't you tell me these were yaoi books? I didn't think it mattered. It was embarrassing. Why? You buy manga all the time. Because straight guys aren't supposed to read these. You don't have to read them if you don't want to. But everyone in the store thought I was buying them for myself. Oh, is that bad? Yes. You still got them all, right? Yes, I got them all. Oh, good. I can't wait to, wait to read them. It was really embarrassing. Don't worry about it. The next volumes don't come out for another two months. The English ones, anyway. Hey, how long do you think it would take for me to learn Japanese? He ground his teeth in frustration. She obviously wasn't getting it. He took a seat on one of the benches at the train station and checked his watch. Another 20 minutes until the train. Ugh, and I forgot to bring anything to read. Well, good thing I have a whole section here. He looked at the bag, at the covers featuring mostly undressed men hanging on each other. He picked one and started to read. He could feel people staring at him, judging him, exposed. But the stories were actually pretty good. Funny. Surprised a laugh out of him. By the time he got actually on the train, he'd finished the first volume and started a second. Girls know what they're talking about, he thought appreciatively. These aren't bad at all. When he got home, he dropped the bag of books in Erica's lap. You've ruined me, he said, waving a volume at her. How more, many more of these do you have? Do you like them? she asked. Oh, buckets. There are four or five series over in the bedroom bookcase. I can pick out another couple good ones for you if you want. Let me finish this one, and then, yes, please, just... He wrinkled his nose, trying to find a delicate way of asking his question. Just, are they all so rapey? Seems kind of weird. She nodded, a little unhappily. Yeah, and these are the good ones. Some of them can get real uncomfortable. I hadn't read that one yet, but the ones in the bedroom are pretty non-rapey. But there are some weird power dynamics going on in some of these. Seriously, he said, and you said that most of these were written by women? Yep. Makes you wonder, huh? Yeah, it does, he said quietly. Yep, I'll read these. I've got to take a break from your journals anyway. She gave him a knowing little smile. What? Nothing. He smiled wider. You're just finally starting to lighten up. It's nice. You're ruining my life, you know. I can only hope. Marcus settled himself into bed, knowing that Erica probably would be writing until almost dawn. She seemed to only sleep between about 4 a.m. and 10 a.m. He curled up on one side and then the other, and then stretched out to put his hands behind his head and stare up at the ceiling. He wanted something. Something about her journals and her life and the world wasn't right. 
As Erica would say, my head feels itchy, he thought in semi-disgust as he tried to close his eyes and fall asleep yet again. Thoughts of his mother, Elena, Nina, Erica's childhood all seemed jumbled up and connected in a way that seemed to be really important, but he couldn't put his finger on it. He flopped over to his stomach and stuck his head under his pillow. Ugh, it's no good. I can't sleep. He lurched up, stumbling into the living room, promptly catching his foot on a bookshelf and smashing his toe. He stood holding his foot and trying to take deep breaths. He hopped out to the room, sticking his head into the fridge and then settling for some water. Erica didn't pay attention to him, focused on her blue-white screen instead. She had somehow managed to wedge herself under the living room table again instead of her desk, and his back ached in sympathy for her. Erica, Zura, how can you sit like that? What? she said, looking back at him with the blue-white light of her computer reflecting off her glasses. It's all twisted and uncomfortable-looking, he said. Why? You have a perfectly good desk ten feet away. She glanced down at herself. I don't know. I don't feel it, she said, surprised. Why are you awake again at whatever time it is? He flopped down behind her and extended his legs. I don't know. I'm all itchy and bored, I guess. I don't know. Is this how you feel when you want to go on one of your trips? She turned back to her book. I don't know. I don't know what emotion you're experiencing, so I can't answer if it's the same one. I want to go somewhere. Her hands stilled on the keyboard, and she turned herself to frown at him, tilting her head up in her usual, you are obviously confused, but I'll humor you expression. Why? I'm tired of you having all the adventure. Why? I don't know. I just want to go somewhere, do something. You're always nagging me about getting out and doing things. Let's go do something. Why? Because I'm asking you to. Why? He rolled his eyes. Help me out, crazy lady. I just want to go somewhere with you or experience something that isn't work and normal life for a moment. What's with the Spanish Inquisition? Just pick one of your stupid ideas and let's go. She looked back to her computer. Very unusual for you, Marcus. I was concerned that maybe you were thinking that I was repressed or depressed or something, and this is your attempt to cheer me up. I'm fine if that's your actual concern. Marcus shook his head in disbelief. Not everything is about you, you know? What if I just want to go on a trip with you? You never have before. Which is why I want to now. Oh. She looked back to her computer. Okay, do you want me to set something up and surprise you? Yes, he decided, spur of the moment. Yes, I don't want to wimp out or overthink things. Surprise me. Okay, you have to promise that you aren't going to bitch about the cost or your glasses fogging up or that traveling is boring or that it's dangerous or any of the other terrible excuses you usually throw at me. She adjusted her glasses on her nose. But this is great. I'm actually just at a point where the heroine has been marooned on a terrible alien planet and has to fight her way back to civilization. We could test out some of this stuff. Oh my god, Erica, how did you ever survive this long? What? Never mind. I'll try and keep my mouth shut. Please don't kill us. He stuck his hand out as if to help her back into her chair. Coming back to bed? She ignored him. He sighed and headed back to the bedroom, calling out behind him as he left. Fine, but I'm serious. Please try not to kill us, or at least make sure that you notify the consulates or medical professionals first. She sniffed. Don't be such a baby. Didn't ask for your opinion, he called sing-song through the wall. And don't stay up all night. It's bad for you. It is not. Good night, Erica. And that is it for today's episode. I think we have one more episode to go, and this book will be finished. So... 
stay tuned for next go round episode 13 that will be the end of freelance and in season two we'll be doing wind and rain so tune in thank you everyone